Hello and welcome to the Unstoppable Stylist Podcast, where independent beauty entrepreneurs can get all the mindset, messaging, and methods they need to be unstoppable in beauty, business, and life. Thank you for joining me, Casey. I'm so excited to have you here. This is Casey Taylor from the Small Town Stylist Collective. Casey and I met a while back on a program called Style My Biz with Piper DeYoung and um, just have been so glad to have welcomed her into my circle and just want to have a quick interview here with her to discuss what it's like to be unstoppable as a small town stylist. I know she has lots of wisdom to share. So without further ado, here is Casey Taylor. Hello, hello. I am so excited to be chatting with you. Um, It's always fun whenever you get to like extend your you know your friends that you meet and all of these education programs and like get to do more fun things with them so I'm so excited to be on your podcast today for those of you who don't know me I'm Casey Taylor you can find me at Casey Taylor stylist on Instagram and I am a small town stylist in East Texas I own a small salon I work behind the chair Um, as both a colorist and a bridal stylist and an extension specialist. And I also do education for small town stylists across the world. Yeah, that's amazing. That's how I met Casey and uh, how I've gotten to know her. I took her program, the Small Town Stylist Collective. Even after 25 years in the industry, I still am a lifelong learner and I had so much uh, gratitude for her and her spreadsheets that she had in the program because they, I do... No, I'm not afraid of numbers. I just don't really like looking at spreadsheets, but I do like the structure that somebody else can provide sometimes that uh, makes that very helpful. So if you are someone who is a little bit afraid of looking at your numbers and, uh, but know that the data that those numbers provide can be extremely powerful and empowering. Um, I do highly recommend jumping on her program um, because it was very helpful for that, among other things, lots of other things. And Casey, you've taken some unstoppable quantum leaps in your business. And uh, I want you to talk a little bit about that uh, different times in your career where you had to make some pretty brave decisions that led to some pretty miraculous results, really. So tell me a little bit about that. You know what I'm talking about. um, I have been in a small town for basically as long as I've been doing hair. And when I first got into the industry, I had, you know, a lot of family members who were a little bit um, hesitant about me becoming a hairstylist. They're like, are you really just going to be a small town stylist? So they weren't the most supportive. And then even my own cosmetology school instructor Um, had told us when I was in cosmetology school that we would never be successful if we stayed in our small towns. But um, I am the kind of person, as you know, who kind of thrives off of someone telling me I can't do something because that's just going to mean that I can use that to um, do it in spite of them. (laughs) And so I use it as my superpower. And um, so I ended up, I have now like owned my own salon in my small town for the past um, four years. I have been in the industry um, licensed for eight years and um, have really grown to have a really successful business. But um, with that, I also developed some really bad habits of overworking myself and um, just really like getting to a point where I had unhealthy work hours and an unhealthy work-life balance. So 
back in November of 2020, I ended up raising my prices. I went from charging about $35 an hour to charging $70 an hour for my services. So um, it was just under double for some of my services, up to double the prices for others. And then I turned around again, eight months later, <laughs> raised my prices again to $100 an hour. So I went from charging like 35-ish an hour to $100 an hour, all within about a year's time. And um, but Casey, asked, didn't you lose all your clients? I oh. didn't. <laughs> It was um, such a crazy change. And I did it mostly just because I could tell that my marriage was struggling from just the work habits I had created. I really, um, I would always like have these conversations with my husband, like, oh yeah, like I know I need to cut back. I know I need to make these changes. And I knew everything I needed to do, but there was just like some kind of push I wasn't like getting through. And um you know, at some point you realize that like nothing's going to change unless you actually like make the change. So I hired a um, business coach to really help me through it. Even though I had all the information I needed, it was the accountability and just like that extra support from somebody who had already done those things that you want to do in your career. And I honestly did not lose that many clients. Uh, what you said about hiring a business coach and a mentor, um, it isn't always information that we need, right? Off, I mean, the information is all out there. You can Google it. You can find it on YouTube, whatever. But sometimes you got to go a little bit beyond that. And even when you know the right thing to do, um, it you don't always have the the personal strength, I guess maybe you could describe it as, or confidence whatever to do it. And there's also ways to do things like raise your prices with some grace, right? With some strategy behind it, with some, um, you know, some com good communication around how you explain these things to your clients. Uh, there's lots of different ways of going about things. And sometimes it helps just to have that proven roadmap, that proven method to make those leaps. It just gives you that extra bit of confidence when you see someone who has done it before you. Um, I think that's really important. And there's so many great mentors out there. And we are both in that position now where we are mentoring our students and uh, happy to be doing that because we've learned a lot. We've And we've tried and we made a lot of mistakes uh, as well and can hopefully help people bypass some of those mistakes. So as, a, as something you would maybe turn around and tell your younger self um, at the beginning of your career, say maybe you, before you opened your salon, what would, what advice would you give your younger stylist self? Um, I honestly wish I would hire mentors sooner. Um, I think that's something that a lot of times we don't necessarily realize is that all of these really successful people in our life that we see, um, all of these big name educators, these big name stylists in the industry, um, big name salon owners, celebrity stylists, they have all hired mentors and, um, working with a mentor early in your career, isn't like saying, oh, well, I just don't know how to do it. You might know exactly how to do it, but you're going to also have to go through these trial and error phases of figuring out what's most efficient and that mentors already done it. And so, um, I think they can really help you um, work through some of the kinks while also like most importantly, like 
giving you that confidence and that reassurance. And so I really wish I would have hired um, a mentor like, you know, early in my career and not necessarily just relied on, um, you know, stylists within your salon can be such a great resource as well and having them as mentors, but like having somebody specifically who specializes in being a mentor, I think is super valuable and something I wish I had done way sooner. And I think there, too, there is something about investing in yourself. Like we, we invest in our business. We invest in the tools of our trade, but investing in ourself and in somebody else's program is, is really valuable. And every time I have done that in my career, that's when I've made monumental um, adjustments, right? And some of them paid off big time financially as well for me. I've always been very blessed to have a lot of great mentors in my circle. And I get mentors from lots of different other business uh, worlds too, because I've owned multiple types of businesses as well. Um, just the people sitting in my chair often are a great resource for us. You know, maybe it's a real estate agent, maybe it's a lawyer, maybe it's a doctor, you know, whatever. We've got lots of professionals that come in and, and uh, sometimes it's just one line that they say. And uh, we did talk about this on our live when we got, got on IG live, but somebody once said to me, one of my clients, Brenda, when I was going through some really hard times with some staffing challenges, et cetera. And she said, well, Sharon, the simplest thing is something's got to change. And it was the funniest thing. And I, I always joke, nobody likes change like a hairdresser. Um, we can't be in the business of promoting it if we're not willing to embrace it. But that simple line from one of my mentors, I consider her a mentor, that something's got to change. And often when you're in the thick of it and in your own business, in your own head, you cannot see with clarity what it is that needs to change. You just know that something needs to change. And sometimes having that high level view of your business from someone who's been there, done that can be so powerful. And all of a sudden it's like a light bulb goes off and you can get in momentum to make those changes. And that's where we see the real change in, in our business and in our lives, right? We cannot separate our lives and our business. They're totally intertwined. And uh, so, I, I mean, I think that's amazing advice to, to get a mentor as soon as you can and get them often and um, absorb as much as you can from them. Advice you have to give to our audience here that's on the Unstoppable Stylist podcast. Obviously, they're coming because they want an unstoppable career, success in their career, profitable business, as well as I always say, you get a chance to style a life you love. So a lot of your changes weren't just financial, the reason for that, they were lifestyle changes that you knew you had to make. So tell us a little about a bit about your life in the salon and life outside of the salon. Um, what that looked like before you decided to make these changes and then now what it looks like. Yeah. So I'm kind of a crazy person and I, before all of these changes, I went through like a season of actually living in a big city. I was living in Dallas. I had just gotten married and my husband had a job lined up in the city. So we moved to Dallas, but we always knew we wanted to come back. So like a crazy person, I was owning my salon in Lindell. I ended up opening my salon while we were living in Dallas. So living like two hours away, I opened up a salon in my small town. So I would just like drive into town and I would stay with a cousin during the week and I would work 14 hour days, no lunch break. I would literally sit down sometimes at 11 o'clock at night and realize that I hadn't even sat down to pee all day long. 
And um, so I was really killing my body. I was not eating properly. I was basically living off of fast food and like random junk that I could shove down my throat. And I was not getting enough sleep. And it just, it was a very unhealthy balance. I know it sounds absolutely insane thinking back to it, but at the time it made, it made sense. Um, my husband and I, he had been in college before that we got married. So it was like, well, we see each other every weekend now and we never saw each other before. And it was just kind of the life. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Crazy. Seems like a good idea at the time is what we told ourselves. Yeah. (laughs) But not sustainable. This is the thing. You might be able to do that for a little while, but it's not sustainable. And you know, a lot of people from the outside looking in are are able to tell you that's, that's not going to last. Right. And it's just admitting it to yourself. This sucks. Right. At one moment you have it, when you sit down on the toilet at 11 o'clock at night, you sort of realize, uh, this sucks. (laughs) And I don't, I I can't keep doing this till I'm 65 or older. Yeah. Well, and my, my body was taking the hit, you know, like I were young back then. (laughs) I I was so young, but I had like the body of an 80 year old where having all of these sciatic nerve issues and knee issues and back issues. And I was getting regular massages, but it just like, wasn't enough. Um, and so really, I think like most of us, like 2020 was kind of like an eye opener of a situation. And, um, as terrible as it was to have our businesses shut down, it was also, um, kind of a moment that forced us all to like step back and like really examine like where our lives were at. And so I decided that I was going to make some pretty serious changes. And so now that I've gone through that season of not only like making changes in my career, as far as raising my prices and cutting back my hours, we no longer live in Dallas. We live in the small town. I have an eight minute drive to work. It's beautiful. Um, But like really examining just like overall health wise, um, it's, it's been amazing. And so now I'm in therapy and I'm addressing a lot of like childhood traumas, really being able to like step back from, um, some of the chaos of my work life. I think I was kind of overcompensating with staying busy so I could avoid dealing with some things on a personal level. And so, um, I've now had like the time once things like I raised my prices and I made all those changes in my business and had actual free time in my life. Uh, it kind of gave me an opportunity to focus on like, what are my priorities? What changes do I need to make beyond just my career? Um, what relationships are serving me and what relationships are not? Um, and uh, so I've really changed so much about <laughs> what my life looks like. I um, used to say that I was somebody who just didn't have a lot of friends. I was just like an introverted person. And I, I just didn't need that many friends in my life. Um, but the reality of that was, you know, I just didn't have time for friends Mm -hmm. and I wasn't making that a priority. And I've learned that friendships are actually a very valuable part of my life. Um, so now I have real friendships. I have like really great relationships with people that I value so much in my life. My marriage is so much better um, because we actually have quality time to spend together. And I've also been able to invest in my health a lot more. So I work out now. I have a personal trainer. I try to make healthier, you know, 
um, nutritional decisions in my diet. I'm not by any means the epitome of health, but I'm definitely paying a lot more attention to just like my physical and mental health. And, um, you know, going back to that investment, investing in yourself thing that you mentioned earlier, um, you know, it's so easy for us whenever we are like looking at spending money on something, um, we kind of justify like, well, do I buy the nice shoes? Do I buy the like budget option? Um, or, you know, do I buy the nice dress or do I buy this? Um, so we can really like kind of think about the different things we invest in in our life. And what I have learned is investing in things that are going to um, be for your actual like physical and mental well-being are the most valuable investments you can make. So whether that's investing in a therapist um, or investing in a personal trainer, investing in healthier food, because it, honestly, it costs more to eat healthy than it does to eat the fast food. Um, or investing in an educator that can be a mentor to you are all things that are like actual return on investment, whether you see it financially or not. Although most of the time there is a financial gain from all of that, I feel like, even if it's just like the personal trainer, I feel like when I'm healthier, I perform better at work. percent, um, yeah. Just, just that return on investment. And like, it's a there's a difference between spending money on something and investing in something. I was going to say, I'm so glad you used that language for sure. The way we talk to ourselves, language is important. And when we, when we consider ourselves as, as an investment, I always say we're allowed to be a masterpiece and a work in progress all at the same time. Right. So there's no need to beat yourself up. If you're not where you want to be, you're just not there yet. And you can get there and, and it's these small deposits that we put in the bank accounts of our lives, right? That make the difference, you know? So, so often we just, we, we look at things very separate and secularly, and instead of looking at things holistically, because uh, for a lot of independent stylists out there, we are our business. If you take us out of the equation, we, there is no business, right? So we have to very carefully consider how our health is impacted by the burnout, for instance, either physically or mentally, um, yeah, I mean, anybody can get sick. And I know this is an important part of your program where you incorporate budgeting for things like health insurance, things like paid time off, things that other companies, pension, like retirement, pension sort of stuff, things that other companies off as, offer as their benefits package that we just assume as hairstyles, we don't, aren't, we're not entitled to like, what the hell's that all about? We should get paid vacations, right? We should get, um, I'm lucky I live in Canada. Our healthcare system is a little bit differently, but there's other things above and beyond what the, the healthcare system will pay for. Like, yes, they'll pay for me at the hospital. I mean, I pay through my taxes, but, um, things like personal training or eating well, right. Those aren't included even with our wonderful healthcare system here, but, uh, but you can include them in your pricing structure so that you get paid. I mean, that's the way big corporations do. It's just another line item on their P&L. And I think we have to, as hairstylists, as independent beauty professionals, we need to start making those line items a priority within our, our, our whole corporation or company. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's, we hear a lot of times of hairstylists not having the health insurance they need, not having the medical benefits that they need. And these are not luxuries. These are 
definitely, in my opinion, they are um, basically human rights. They are yeah. basic necessities that we should have all negotiable. Yeah. And um, regardless of where you live and what kind of system you're under, I think there are solutions. All systems are flawed, but um, I think there are solutions to how we as an industry, especially in America, are um, changing the way we approach having those basic benefits as part of our salon. So, you know, as you know, I always say, like, how are these corporations affording to provide medical insurance and retirement plans and pay time off to their employees? They are factoring it into what they are charging their clients for their services. And so as stylists, we can do that for ourselves. And so, as you know, in my spreadsheets, I have my paid time off. I have um, retirement, medical insurance. If you have kids who need childcare, childcare could be factored into your prices. You can really factor in any of those basic things um, that you need to um, really have like a healthy, sustainable career behind the chair. And uh, like, how cool is that? That is so amazing to me that we have the power to do that, right? Yeah. We can sit down with a spreadsheet and just put in the, the line items that we feel are important, integral to our well-being and our life and our lifestyle. So, you know, I think that's a hugely beneficial thing to be part of it. So once we embrace that, amazing. Casey, can you share a lesson that really came from you failing in your business or in your life? Somehow you felt like I failed. But a lesson came out of that and the failure turned out to be not quite so bad after all. So I would say that honestly, the the season of trying to work in my small town while living in a city that was basically two hours away um, and not being able to sustain that long term at the time um, and just like the weight of all of that felt a little bit like a failure or the way that I was um, extending my schedule to a point where I had no life outside of the salon and how it was affecting my marriage. That felt like a failure. Uh, But I would say the biggest lesson was really that like, I am a human and as unstoppable as I am, I would say that you know, I still have needs that need to be met. And so really humanizing myself because that's not something I'm always necessarily the best at um, has been a really big lesson and humanizing that my experiences are valid and my needs are worthy of being met because I think um, there are not everybody, but I think there are a lot of people who struggle with this kind of concept of like, we can validate other people's experiences and what they need, but then we kind of get it in our heads or at least me personally, where I'm like, but no, I can, I can still make this work. I can do this. I can do that. Um, without actually like having a real, like realistic plan of action and realistic expectations of what my limitations are. And so I think that's kind of been like the biggest lesson I've learned is really understanding my limitations a lot more and not beating myself up over not being able to do everything because as much as I would love to say yes to every single bride who reaches out about bridal hair say yes to every single client and you know do everyone's hair there are only so many hours a day 
Um, because I would love to do all of that while also being a superwoman of a wife and doing the laundry and the cooking and the cleaning and going on date nights and, you know, spending time with my dogs and all of the things. And the reality is that um, nobody can do all of it. And I think the more we like were to understand about other people's lives, we would start to realize that other people have help and it's okay for us to ask for help too. Yeah. Asking for help is, is huge. And I really feel like people can relate a lot of what you've just said to their own personal story. We all get caught up from time to time in that hamster wheel. And I've often said that, you know, the, the word unstoppable, if you take it from one context, it can mean, oh my God, I can't stop. I got to keep going. I'm never going to get through this. I'm on this hamster wheel. I got it. It's unrelenting from one part of your energy. But if you shift that energy to the, I got this, I can handle this. I can get through this. I'm going to find the opportunity within the difficulty. But often that takes a bit of a breakdown or it takes a bit of a pause, a rest, that sort of thing to really see clearly. So sometimes you got to get out of your own head. And that's why if I don't like the, the words I'm hearing in my own head a lot, um, cause I'm, I'm guilty of beating myself up too. Um, as I think most people are, um, but I start to listen to other people who I find inspiring, who I find are doing the things that I want to do or having the life that I aspire to and trying not to compete and compare, but to recognize that success leaves clues. And there are steps that you can take a hundred percent to get there. And I especially love it when people share their stories, that, you know, it wasn't always like this. I didn't always have this much freedom. I didn't always have this much time. I didn't always have this much money. There was a day where I did work 14 hours and didn't sit down to pee till 11 o'clock. I ate my lunch over the garbage can while I was mixing somebody's color. I said yes to things that I shouldn't have and then wasn't able to serve at the highest level. And then you feel bad about that too. So it's just this perpetuating cycle of not it's, you know, not doing the right things when often it's a price change. Pricing can change everything. And I think that was really true for you. Once you shifted your pricing and, you know, that whole idea of knowing your worth and then charging something close to it is pivotal, is really pivotal. And I think that's what a lot of stylists struggle with is changing their pricing. And I know within your program, and in mine too, we talk about that, where what it's like to shift your pricing to reflect the needs of your, not just your business, but of your life. And I think that's really key. And I think there's a huge mindset shift that has to happen before the spreadsheets even come out. Yeah, I, I would say the mindset shift is like really the most valuable part for most people. Um, there are tons of educators and um, programs and research you can do to understand like what prices you need to be charging to hit whatever income goal it is that you have. But you're not going to be able to raise your prices to that level until you have that actual mindset shift and that confidence to be able to make that change. So for me, I realized that I needed to focus a lot more on what were my priorities? What was I trying to like get out of this price increase? Because it wasn't just necessarily making more money or anything like that. It wasn't trying to like weed out clients that I didn't like because I, I had amazing clients. I really had already weeded out a lot of the bad apples, 
but it was the difference of knowing like what my schedule needed to be and um, having like, you know, that, that confidence shift and that mindset shift of why I was doing it. Um, and understanding that like, I wasn't raising my prices to be greedy. I wasn't raising my prices because I felt like I was just so important or whatever. It was truly that I ended up prioritizing my um, family first. I wanted to put my marriage before my career. I wanted to put my physical and mental health before my career. And I didn't lose a ton of clients through that price increase, but I think I definitely was able to maybe spread some of those clients out a little bit longer between appointments, which freed up some time. I also mm-hmm. just cut back my schedule and forced them to do that, whether they really loved yeah. it or not. But yeah, um, there's lots of ways to go about it. It isn't always doubling your prices, right? And, the other uh, thing, the other thing you touched on was in the, in terms of the mindset stuff, what did it take for you to get in that mindset? For most people, it's like you hit a breaking point. And then at some point in that low, when you've hit the bottom, you realize that the only thing that can change is how you approach things and how you let things affect you and what you are prioritizing. So um, for me, I realized that I had a lot of issues with um, my family setup. I had a lot of issues with um, just different relationships in my life that weren't my marriage um, because I absolutely love my husband. I think I have the best husband ever. Um, but just really kind of taking a step back and and really understanding like how many of these limiting beliefs I had been holding onto and I didn't even realize it. So like I said, I, I kind of operate off of, yeah, sure, tell me I can't do something and I'm going to prove you wrong. I can like use that spite to my advantage. But at the same time, I realized that I was still holding on to that. So the fact that my cosmetology school instructor said, well, you'll never be successful in a small town. I, of course, was able to take that and throw it into having a wildly successful career. But at the same time, it was holding me back because I was doing it to prove her wrong rather than doing it for myself. And so I think the biggest shift is when you stop doing it to prove everyone else wrong and you're doing it truly because that's what you want. So I'm not, I don't own a salon because somebody else thinks that's what success looks like as a small town stylist or a stylist in general. I'm not an educator because that's the picture of what success looks like in our industry. I do these things because they were what were important to me and fulfilled those goals for my career and even in my personal life. And um, there are things that I'm passionate about. And I think that was like really taking the power back both in my life and my career and was like the biggest change that I could have made. I know another way that you change things up in your business um, that had a big impact on your happiness as well as your income was niching down, specializing in color, getting rid of haircut only clients and focusing on bridal as well. Um, And bridal, again, is is definitely working a lot of weekends, but you've got some ways around that as well that you you take care of that. So just explain that little shift as well. Yeah, people are interested. Whenever I raised my prices, I also decided that, um, especially that second price increase, because I realized, so that first price increase, I lost three clients and two of them came back. 
So basically I lost one person and that was a very big jump to not lose very many people. Um, so I decided like I was going to have to not just raise my prices and hope that people would leave. I would need to truly change my schedule. And for me personally, I know everybody's ideal work day looks different, but I find if I'm doing a bunch of haircuts back to back, it's a lot more exhausting of a day than if I were to be doing, um, longer services, like lived in blondes and extensions. So for me, I would rather have like two, um, like blonding and extension services in a day rather than like a day that's half as long. That's just haircuts. So mm -hmm. it's not even about the hours. It's just like that human exchange, like with every different person, I feel like it was just draining a little bit for my soul. So, um, <laughs> I decided that I was not going to do haircut only services anymore. Um, so any of my clients who were those haircut clients, my clipper cuts, um, stuff like that, I gave them options. I could refer them to another stylist or they could get um, a like haircut with a shampoo, um, a treatment and styling. So of course, a lot of my clipper cuts, they said, no, I do not need this hour long service for a hundred dollars. No worries. Yeah. So I referred them out and I did have some clients who took that and they're like, okay, well, you know what? I've been thinking about some highlights. Let's do that. I've been doing their hair for eight years. And all of a sudden they were like, yeah, let's pop some highlights in there. Um, so my clients really took that change like very well. And I think it was because I did offer them solutions to, um, me not offering that service anymore. Um, so I changed that and really cut back a lot on those services that were just for me personally, a little bit more draining. And then as far as like weddings go, of course, I want to be able to have some weekends off with my husband. So my personal role, um, for, 2022 was that I was only going to do one wedding in a weekend. So even if I had a Friday wedding that counted as a weekend. So basically it was one wedding a week and I would only do three weddings in a month. So I limited it to, um, what I felt like gave me the time off that I needed because I didn't want to be working every single day in a weekend. I wanted to have at least one weekend off. And so those kind of parameters gave me the flexibility I needed to be able to take on you know, different weddings. I wasn't limiting myself to specific days, but I was being mindful of what my like limitations were as far as like the time I had. Um, and so that was kind of how I made that shift and moving into, you know, next year, I think I'm going to cut that back a little bit more on the weddings, but whatever that balance is for anyone else could look totally different to them. So I think that's, you know, the beauty of our industry. We all have what works best for us. I know there are some people who just do bridal hair. And so they have a balance that works best for them. I'm also behind the chair. And so that was kind of the balance that worked best for me. Yeah. And I know another way that you have adjusted your schedule. And I think this is a very important thing as well that a lot of people forget about when they're uh, not just salon owners, but just independent stylists, maybe, or even commission stylists who are, you know, running their own personal brand kind of within a, a, a bigger salon um, is office hours. Yeah. So touch on that, please. Cause there's other stuff that needs to get done. So 
Well, I think what's so um, interesting that I discovered as I became self-employed is I would only think of the hours I was working as the hours behind the chair. So I was like, oh, well, I'm only fully booked if I'm working, you know, a traditional 40 hours of clients. But the reality is if I was doing 40 hours of clients, I was also doing like another, you know, 20 hours of things behind the scenes, whether that's going to the pro store and restocking color, taking inventory, putting that restocked product back on the retail shelves, um, emailing and messaging clients about appointments, um, all of those little things, going to the bank, making deposits. I mean, the list is endless of yeah. the things that we also have to do as stylists, especially now with social media. Uh, <laughs> that's a full-time job even in itself and then there's the things like the cleaning of the color bowls at the end if you don't have an assistant right tearing of foils you know like all of that stuff sweeping taking the garbage out on recycling day you know like it's it's all that stuff and I, I think we don't factor that into our our paid time yeah and so what I really encourage my students to do is to really schedule that stuff into your schedule so have dedicated office hours that are for catching up on your emails, doing your inventory. Um, if you need to do a deep clean of the salon once a week, um, different things like that, have that built into your schedule and then set your pricing so that you're meeting what you want your income goal to be without um, having to fill those office hours with clients. So it's all factored into your prices. Those office hours are part of your pricing. and then you're really um, allowing yourself to have true time off. Because if you're working those 40 hours and you're packing them full of clients and then you are having to spend your nights and weekends messaging people and doing all the other behind the scenes work, you end up never having a true day off. Yeah. And so it turns into this exhausting cycle of, well, you never want to call out from the salon sick because where are you going to fit those clients oh. back yeah, it's a nightmare. I mean, COVID when we went through that, I know, I don't know how long you were shut down in Texas, but we were eight months all together and it was on again, off again, on again, off again. And sometimes they would, they tell us we were opening and then they, they'd say, no, 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 we can't. So they'd shut us down again. And you're like, oh my God, I just rescheduled three weeks of clients. Right. And that was hours on the phone, right. Trying to get everybody in and then have it just evaporate again. So, I mean, all of those things are such good advice. And I can imagine anybody listening right now who maybe is in need of a price increase or a reevaluation of their business model, um, kind of going like, oh my God, like, that is so much stuff. And I would have to raise my prices to a gajillion dollars to accommodate all that. But I want you to realize that we have, there's proof positive in both of our businesses. And I live in a town of about, I don't know, it's grown now, but it's about, probably about 50,000. You know, you're in a much smaller town, even 6,000. These things are possible. They, you can do it. We've done it. We can show you how, um, but you can have, an amazing business, a profitable business with all of these things like pay time off, health benefits, like retirement savings, like office hours, time to do all the stuff that needs to get done and get paid for it. Like it is possible and then have a life outside of work. Like how cool is that? And Casey's here to tell you, and so am I, that this is totally doable, but you got to start somewhere right? You have to start somewhere. And I think a really good starting place is to A, to find a mentor who's already done it. And B, is to, to look at those numbers and 
just come, you know, have a come to Jesus moment and be honest with yourself about where you're at and where you want to go with your business and just take baby steps to get you there. I mean, I know your program, the Small Town Stylist Collective is laid out in such a, in such a way that you are taking people from A to B and, you know, helping them overcome a lot of the obstacles that they might encounter along the way. Those mindset things, definitely, um, for sure. I'm big into mindset. I'm big into your messaging. And I know that's a big thing that you do as well. The way you communicate these changes to your clients is so valuable um, that you don't end up losing very many of your clients. Because I know that's a big, big fear for a lot of stylists. They panic. Like if I raise my prices, everyone's going to leave me. I'll be all alone. Right. And I think that hasn't been our reality at all. Actually, sometimes it's even a little bit backfired on us. Yes. Gain new clients. It's good. I think like there's also this mindset too of yes, on one side of the coin, there are these fears of your clients leaving, right? We don't want everybody to leave. And the reality is not everybody will leave. Um, but even um hearing from a lot of my students, some of them are not just afraid about the client's reaction, but they get kind of stuck in the, well, what are the other stylists gonna think? Yeah. Especially being in a small town, I think that's one of like the key differences is this kind of like cutthroat mentality. Who does she think she is? Yeah. yeah. Yes. And I I've even experienced that myself within um my own business. And it's extremely hurtful and um just like a very tough thing to work through. But at the same time, I think it's really fascinating to see my students who live in small towns, you know, with just a few hundred people, you know, less than a thousand mm-hmm. people in their population, um, as well as students who are not necessarily in a small town who are in much larger areas, but being able to take that information and uh, applying it and getting past this mindset of, well, what if my clients leave or what are all these other stylists going to think and really like come into this season of doing what is best for them, like, and navigating those things as they come up without this like huge fear of everything, like crashing and burning. Yeah. And that's the, again, the benefit of being part of a program or having a, a personal coach that will show you. And it's the same with when you work out in a gym right? You can go to the gym and get results for sure, but you can accelerate your results and do it safely as well with less headache, less heartbreak, less injury when you have a personal trainer, a personal coach. So, I mean, every high-end athlete has a coach, every, like like so many successful people in all arenas have a coach and it can help you really accelerate and get through those, those mindset blocks that we have, those limiting beliefs, as well as the the actual tangible results, right? Where you have to maybe craft that email to your clients or um, put up that sign that says you're raising your prices or have a message on your machine or start the online booking system. There's so many different ways that you can make incremental changes. But when you have somebody backing you up and showing you that it it is possible and it, it opens up a whole new world of amazing experiences, when you just take those brave steps forward is so powerful. Like I I have to credit throughout my career, um, so many amazing people, but that were just, I I call it just in time learning 
where when I needed them, those people sort of appeared. And I, I, I always credit myself too, you know, like Snoop Dogg, I want to thank me. Um, but I, you know, I, I took that leap. And even sometimes when it was scary and I didn't have the money and it seemed diabolical that they were asking me for a, an investment when I was already sort of financially in dire straits, but I was brave and I did it. And it always paid me back 10 times what I invested, both mentally, emotionally, and financially, which is so such a benefit, right? Bonus. Absolutely. So at, at, right now, are, are you at a, a crossroads? Maybe you're not, but are you at a crossroads at all with what, what you still kind of struggle? Because I know we can get to a point where we've sort of like, I've reached the pinnacle of my career. I'm amazing. I figured it all out. But what are some day-to-day struggles that you still go through? I mean, we have to know that you're a normal person, Casey. We can't have you just being on a pedestal all the time, you know? Yeah. Um, tell me what you still struggle with today in your business, what you still sort of slip back into those bad habits sometimes. Yes. So I would say that a lot of um, this journey of getting into independent education, I've been doing independent education for a little over a year now. And a lot of the habits that I overcame in the salon have now just kind of transitioned themselves into my education. (laughs) Damn that lesson I have to keep learning. (laughs) It's kind of like this, you know, constant cycle. Um, Thankfully, as I've gone through this growth journey, I've learned to be a lot more self-aware of these habits. And I'm yeah. much more aware of how yeah, the recovery, the recovery time is faster. I find now that we've gone through it. I'm like, Oh, I've learned this lesson once already. I think I can <laughs> snap to it a little faster for sure. Um, but definitely I would say like my biggest struggle has been a lot of like delegating of things. I still, have a bad habit of thinking I'm superwoman, and I'm like, but look at how much I've cut back in the salon, and look, I've I've really cut back on how many weddings I do, and so I think of like all of this um, time that I'm finally like cutting back on my hairstylist career side of my um, life, but I'm not paying attention to the fact that I'm filling a lot of those hours, not all of them, but a lot of them have kind of been replaced with this journey into education and. I think my issue is that I like, I'm just so passionate about educating. It's like, you know, as many of us, even as stylists, we're like, yo, but I love my job so much. I love doing this. Um, So especially in the online world, because I see a lot of um, marketing towards like, do you hate your nine to five? Do you like want to get out of the corporate grind? It's like, no, I love my job. (laughs) I I love interacting with people. And I I feel the same way. Like it's hard for me to step away. And I find sometimes too, when you try to lift your foot off the one side of your business, something seems to happen that makes you slam it back down. That's happened to me a bunch of times. And uh, so consequently things get shuffled around and things get put on the back burner that are, you're really passionate about, but it's, it's, it's learning how to not just manage your time, but appreciate the time that we actually have. Like we do only have 24 hours and we do have to spend some of that time sleeping, eating, and, you know, looking after other people. Right. And, and, and doing work that, you know, because the online education part, it is not just throwing out a program and then making a million dollars, whatever. There's so many steps. There's so many things, just like in the salon, we don't just show up and the magic happens, right? There's a lot of behind the scenes stuff. So I get that when you, when you start to struggle with the same problems in a new chapter, 
you start to realize, oh, this is like, this is probably more a mindset thing, right? And you're not alone. You're not alone with that. I will reassure you. I feel the exact same thing. And I've, I've had to learn the same lesson so many times that I'm like, seriously, Sharon, like, stop it now, girl. <laughs> I definitely like realize that I am the common denominator yeah. here. This is, this is like, master of your own disaster. I like to say that. <laughs> I was having a conversation actually with my therapist about it um, just last week. And she's like, well, I see you tend to be in this cycle of like really this tipping scale of you go really hard on one thing. And then all of a sudden, like you realize that you've neglected over here and then you do basically the opposite and go really hard on this other thing while the other side of the scale tips to the ground. I was like, yeah, and it's not working. So yeah. how do we fix it? And she's like, well, the answer is you delegate. <laughs> and so yeah. uh, automate, really delegate, eliminate, you know, those are the things Yeah, that I feel like I've done really well from like the salon perspective and just shifting into a new phase of having to trust people more in being able to delegate some things and realizing that I don't have to be in control of all of it for it to be done the right way. I can ask for help. And um, so just and sometimes you-, you might be surprised people will do it way better than you. Like we all have our strengths yeah. and our weaknesses. I always say it takes a village to get Sharon Huckle keep going in the day, right? <laughs> because we are and every level has a new devil. It's like more money, more problems, right? Like you really, when you step up and people have to be prepared for that as you know, when you want that journey to be an unstoppable stylist, every level has a new devil and you have to like become the person who is ready to be at that next level. And there's some growing that needs to happen. And there's some growing pain sometimes that has to happen. But again, with a mentor, you can avoid a lot of that. So what do you want people to know about you and your business? I would just love to leave everybody with just this idea of remember to always put your needs first and um, know that regardless of where you're located, where you're at in your career, you, you have the ability to be the most successful version of yourself. So whether that's attaining your big career goals financially or promote an awards perspective, um, recognition, Um, But also like in a life sense of where you want your personal life to be, you can attain that and you don't have to live in a big city to make a lot of money or have these like luxury types of clients. You can do that wherever you're located. And so that's kind of what I am the most passionate about is just helping people regardless of where you live, small town, big city, middle of nowhere or in a suburb whatever it is, find your best version of success. And so that is kind of the theme of everything I do and kind of the mission behind all of my education, everything I post on my Instagram and everything I do also even behind the chair. So um, if you want to check out more of that, you can find me on my Instagram at Casey Taylor Stylist. I post tons of education on my page and I um, have tons of free resources over there. And I have some other fun things with a brand new project I'm working on called the Small Town Big Shot that will be coming out hopefully later this year. But um, yeah, so lots of fun things coming and I will have lots of updates posted on my Instagram. 
Yeah, so make sure you check Casey out at Casey Taylor Stylist on Instagram. She has so much great information there as well as extra resources beyond that. And um, I do really appreciate Casey coming on here today. Maybe we'll have her back again sometime because I'm sure she has a whole new spin on how you can be unstoppable. Even if you live in a small town like we do, we have faith in you. Just got to have faith in yourself. So thank you again, Casey, for being my guest on the Unstoppable Stylist podcast. Make sure you follow again next week and check me out on Instagram as well, The Unstoppable Stylist. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Check out theunstoppablestylist.com for even more help to grow your beauty business and style a life you love.